You are listening to The Edge, a podcast for personal development junkies and visionaries living right at the precipice of, oh shit, meets fuck yeah. I'm Nadia Munda, an embodiment and relationship coach and a lover of all edges. Stick around to listen to raw, unpolished conversations where we explore our personal and collective edges in all their erotic glory. Hey guys. Hola. Hola. Como esta? We are back in the same place where we had our first conversation. We are. Yeah. yeah. Two years later. Over two years. No, exactly two years. Exactly two years. <laughs> Time well, doesn't exist. It was April, but I don't know when in April. Mm-hmm. One right. day. So... The same thing's happening to me as last time, which is that I'm concerned it's not recording. How can we know? Press the side button. It's looking good. And it's recording. All right. Okay. There's some things that people want to know about. So I'm going to ask some questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting seeing you just stepping into this role. <laughs> On the couch. It nearly feels more awkward than the first time we sat and recorded a chat. Because I'm even more private now than I was before? Or? Um, <laughs> just because we've had two years of life together and um, people now know we're together. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, you know me more. Mm-hmm. And so it's harder for me to put on the... Uh, not that I'm being extra professional right now in any way, but, you know, to put on, like, interviewer Nadia. Well, you don't have to be interviewer. I know. I don't. You can just be the woman who's half naked on the couch right now. Oh, okay. Nadia. Good visual for uh, mm-hmm. folks listening. Well, I feel we didn't give much <laughs> context the last time. <laughs> yes, um, true. The context is the doors are closed because... If anyone's been to Tulum, they'll know there's construction everywhere. Everywhere. Um, or kids <laughs> playing at a pool. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, the doors are closed. The fans are on. It is humid up That's in here. That's not so bad today. I mean, today it broke a little bit. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's the context. There's bananas that are on the table. Mm-hmm. There's tea appliances everywhere. Yeah. Some of which we've drank from. Mm-hmm. We are full of mm-hmm. poor, poor tea. Some people say poor. Like poor tea. Yeah, poor, I feel like poor sounds better. Anyways, okay. Well, let's let's give the folks what they want to hear, which I have a feeling is not the banter that we basically spend all of our day. In. Well, that's great <laughs> for me. I mean, we can just stay in the banter. <laughs> Banter and also all the secrets to how to have the perfect relationship where nothing goes wrong. We're about to tell you everything. Don't be in relationship. (laughs) That's how you have a perfect relationship. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Okay. I want to start with, we got a bunch of questions from different people. There's some things that um, we want to go into, but what I'm most excited to, what I'm most excited to start off with is talking about 
essentially how, like, would you consider yourself a tantric practitioner? That's a fully loaded question <laughs> because I, I never, like, I make a point of never using the word tantra in anything that I do ever. Right. Um, because of what the industry around tantra has become and how it's, there's components of like ancient uh, practices and integrated practices that are definitely still present, but there's such a huge lack of integrity. Mm. And I feel that Tantra has been, it's almost like a honey to trauma. Mm. Like there's people who are very traumatized and, and there's also men on the other side of that who are very hungry yeah. um, and who use certain spiritual bravado and terminology. I mean, every woman has probably at this point met a man who, you know, that term you use, the spiritual playboy. Yeah, my favorite. knows all the words, <laughs> but and he's going to drop your ass in a second. Yeah. Um, so I just feel the whole Tantra situation right now is as insane as the rest of society is but just with the spiritual twist on it and that's where it becomes dangerous so to answer your question uh no i don't refer to anything i do as tantra because the word has become synonymous with with shadow with a lot of shadow and a mm -hmm. lot of um yeah just lacking integrity yeah. so my my background is chinese medicine that's always kind of where i speak mm -hmm. from uh, my understanding of polarity and mm. even the unique way that I speak about it is is coming from my understanding through the elements in Chinese medicine mm. but no I, I don't do tantra I just do presence which just so happens to be tantra really <laughs> kind of, yeah. sort of sort of is this an a ASMR episode now it could be we need a better microphone I think this works you think so the quieter you get, the more American you sound. Oh, really? Really? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we do. Um, well, that's interesting because you know I'm the same in my work. I use the word embodiment, which to me is you know presence in the body in the senses, as a portal into connection with the divine, which really is the definition of tantra itself it's like what using, does that mean a portal a portal a door in you drop in you dip your toe in and then it sucks you in <laughs> you know that's the portal right it's like a sci-fi movie mm -hmm. and so all you know in all the work that i do similar to you i've always m moved away from using the word tantra because of the culty nature of it, because of a lot of baggage associated with it, because of the guru, uh, you know, sexual violation baggage that comes with it, all of the above. And also because I'm not actually a student of Tantra. Like I did not go through a proper lineage with a mentor mm -hmm. who was, you know, any, I mean, there's many Tantric lineages and I, I don't know anything about that stuff. Mm -hmm. And yet I would say that we probably consider what we do and what we teach you know, to a certain extent, like tantric sexuality. So I'm curious, like, how do you how do you differentiate or how would you label the um, t 
type of uh, sexual and sacred intimacy that you teach people to engage in <laughs> being clinical here <laughs> well it's so if if we remove the word tantra mm. and instead replace it with simplicity that would be my approach with people is to create as much simplicity as possible do you want me to hold this? Or no, I'm just, just angling it? it to you because you're about to say some wise things. Oh, I think, I've, I think I'm <laughs> off the point now. Shit, sorry. <laughs> um, you know what I'm like. Uh, so yeah, my my work with people is simplicity. So it's meeting someone day one or engaging with someone initially, seeing all the places that they're complicated, all the places that they've been convinced that they have to step out of themselves in order to make contact with including Tantra, or to be a quote-unquote conscious man, or to be a goddess, or, you know, whatever else (laughs) she's been conditioned and perverted Mm. with. Uh, And and really just being as big of a spotlight Mm. as I can be to kind of assist them in seeing the places where they have been compromised and complicated. Because if we really want to look at Tantra, Tantra just is. It's just the body. And it's allowing the body to take over. It's allowing the senses to take over. And it's about being fully inclusive to everything that's unfolding mm-hmm. and everything that's permeating. And we don't need a, you know, we don't need a six-week workshop on that. We don't need a qualification or a piece of paper on that. It's about developing absolute simplicity in order to be able to drop into what's there because otherwise we start to change what's there mm. to what we think should be there. Yep, yep, yep. And that's a lot of you know, that's a lot of the trauma that just keeps circulating. Yeah. So getting out of the way. Like mm-hmm. with anything in personal development, it's not about becoming it like a new version of you or learning things. It's actually often unlearning and, you know, stripping away, mm-hmm. decobwebbing, as we like to say, forgetting <laughs> the conditioning, the programming, and actually just coming back to the natural wisdom of the body. Yeah, but then what is the natural wisdom of the body? Because we also, you know, we want to be careful with buzzwords and just kind of pretty phrases that we use. Uh, you want to check if it's recording? I always want to check. <laughs> it's when it doesn't show me. Okay. That's good. Okay. Um, so we, what did I say? I can't remember. Well, what is the wisdom of the body was what you were about to go into. Yeah, again, because we are using, the more trendy spiritualities become, the more there's a lot of these generic phrases that mm. people use, like just drop in and just... Embodiment. You know, embody, <laughs> yeah, uh, like a lot of that stuff. And because we, when we hear something so much from so many different people who they themselves are embodying or carrying such wildly different types of experiences with them, mm. the word and the semantics starts to be totally corrupted. So again, bringing it back to to simplicity. So what is the wisdom of the body? Well, firstly, you can't know the wisdom of something until you know what you're trying to make contact with. So firstly, what is the body? Establish, okay, well, this is the body. Mm. How do I feel the body? Okay, that's how I feel the body physically. Okay, now let me drop my breath and close my eyes. And where do I exist in the body? So where is my sense of self in the body? Can I find my specific essence in the body? And where does it happen to be and how does it want to move? So when we can, just just to yeah, finish that yeah. point, just, just if we can make contact with the deepest kind of core essence of us, mm. 
us is what will then teach us how to receive the wisdom of the body because you can't tap into that with your head yeah well if someone was listening is like that sounds amazing but how do i but it's not find a, my essence my my flavor my unique by by not trying to assume you're amazing because <laughs> what no, does be, that mean? <laughs> because this is what disconnects us from ourselves we pedestaled everything so being deeply in the body drop the the understanding or the assumption that oh this is amazing and i am amazing no you just are mm. you are whatever happens to be there right now a lot of people come to me and say, Chris, I, I want to be present. And when I ask them what that means, it means, well, I don't want to be feeling what I'm feeling right now because I'm more amazing than that. Mm. Bullshit. No, you're not. That's what you are. Right. What you're feeling is what you have to be able to start becoming humble enough to go, okay, this is it. And what yeah. if this was everything? Yeah. Can I stay with this? Because then we transform. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, I love that. That's such a teaching that I offer my clients as well is to actually drop deeper into that which you're avoiding because it's through that that we actually develop the highest capacity for presence is to be with the thing we don't want to be present with. Mm -hmm. And then that's also our capacity to transmute and transform mm -hmm. something and dissolve it. Yes, absolutely. Good stuff. And there's deep exquisiteness in our normality. Mm. Mm -hmm. when everyone's trying to be extraordinary yeah so, no, can you just be normal can you just be normal and be with that let's market that soon <laughs> <laughs> this is a program on how to be normal do you experience yourself as being too fantastic every day are you sick of being <laughs> utterly tremendous are you burnt out from being amazing it's time to be normal <laughs> it's the next level i yeah um well it seems like there is this coming back to the basics that i feel has come come up it's one of the gifts of the pandemic is this coming back to the basics or the curse or depending the who you are um we're coming back to the basics stripping all the the facade the bullshit the extraness the bells and whistles and just being like all right what actually matters um and a lot of that is just the experience of being a normal human really mm -hmm. so awesome so let's say you are a <coughs> woman um who is dating someone and she's really you know wanting her partner to just get into this work, right? Get into the work of more presence, more purpose, more um, energetically attuned, uh, polarity, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's got no clue. Mm -hmm. Like he's just uh, a guy who, uh, I don't know, let's just say he's a bartender or something. Like just a normal dude. Got it. Uh, what... I guess, tips would you give a woman who's trying to lure him into this world? <laughs> uh, first of all, does she need to lure him into this world? And then two, if so, how can it be done in a way that is still feminine and not overly assertive and doesn't repulse him away from the work where it's not commanding and directive and like, you you know. Well, she can be the reflection of his work. 
So rather than luring him anywhere, she can just lead with her reflection. She can lead with her receptivity to him mm. and what that could look like in a way that it's not nagging him or pushing him or engaging with him like you're his mother uh, could be just to share with him very expressively through your body, through your sound, through your words. Mm, oh, I love when you do that. Or mm. remember that thing that you've done. I love when you do that so much. And you can start to reinforce his moments of potency. Yeah. Because the biggest thing for men is a lot of the time a man is, is with a woman who's giving him zero reflection because she herself is not actually present with him. Mm. So now she is just projecting all of her trauma, her wounds, her needs that, she, that aren't being met. And maybe she doesn't have an intelligent way or a contact point to be able to do that. Uh, in a way that's receivable for him. So men, we really respond to uh, to, to reflection. Yeah. So we know, okay, this is what our impact is causing and creating. Yeah. And without ever making it personal. So you can lead him with your receptivity through reflecting how he's making you feel, but keeping it about your experience of how he's affecting you. Not saying, oh, when you do this thing, this thing happens. Right. But mm, I love when you, oh, I feel this way when you do that. Mm. So that's one way. And now obviously, if the man is sound asleep, he's not even going to recognize that. Right. So then the next question becomes, well, why are you with a man that's sound asleep? And I, I believe that's an important question because mm -hmm. we need to be responsible for this and then the other part if he does want to do work and if he is open but he just has no clue where to start find a man or, or someone who you respect their work whether it's me or somebody else and invite him to take a look at this yeah. maybe there's some things that that may resonate with him uh, but for men that the only reason for him to do his work is that there's something better on the other side. If if he's getting all of his needs met, behaving like a child, yeah, why would he change anything? And a lot of this is that women become complacent or compliant, right? Right? Where she's not happy, but yet he's still inside of her. Why? Right? Because she's also a part of facilitating that experience. Because she just wants love, right? She wants to be in connection. She wants the mm. relationship to grow and deepen. And there's no fault in that. That's important to say. But we have to be responsible for, for what we accept. So, and what would you say then about the... Um, hold on, let me gather my thought because there's a few tabs open that I want to respond to about this thing because you said some really good things there. Reflection. Um, well, the first, let me actually switch to one in a different tab in my brain. Um, it really does strike me. There was this one time where you came into one of my groups and spoke exactly to this, the, the power uh, of the feminine body as an oracle, of, as a reflection, as a mirror, and how really it's the embodiment work that allows us to then be that powerful mirror to the man totally because if we are not connected in our own body then of course there's no way for us to reflect where he's being powerful and where he's not being powerful mm -hmm. and so um so he doesn't even know like he's using us as a compass 
right? And not being able to veer in either direction because the compass is broken, <laughs> essentially. Mm. Broken sounds like I don't want to use that word because then people or, are going to get a little, yeah. Or he's associating his development, his movement, his motivations, his actions, his decisions on a dysfunctional external compass that is just the narrative of society. Exactly. Yeah. Versus, so one that like, you know, the battery's out. And so you think uh-huh. it's north, but it's actually south. I don't know. A compass doesn't have batteries, though. It doesn't. Okay. Be. You guys, okay. I'm a city girl. Okay. <laughs> just <laughs> pretend I didn't say that. And, um, but like something that's, that's broken, right? And is not really working. And so, yeah, he's going off of the incorrect direction and then going in that direction. And then the woman's like, um, honey, you're going the wrong direction. It's like, well, actually, a part of that is you. You're leading him in the wrong direction. Totally, by not saying anything. Right. So, which reminds me of the other tab that got lost in the mix here that I wanted to bring up, which is, let's say he um, has no idea what's better. You know, you were referring to the idea of he will be motivated by knowing that there's something better on the other side, right? He'll only change his actions if he knows it's something better. So mm-hmm. for a lot of men out there, especially if they're surrounded by other guys that are doing the same thing, like he's a bartender, all he sees is people, let's say drinking, or I don't know, I'm just giving a hypothetical example of this bartender. You're going to get canceled by bartenders. <laughs> oh, God. And, um, and he just doesn't know how could she be like evoke that or like paint a picture of what truly is possible on the other side, because there's nothing in the world that shows him, Hey, there's more to this dude. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the reason that men who start their work only start their work from a place of being deeply displeased. Because he knows that intuitively he knows that there's something else to all of this. Mm-hmm. Or he's become so sick and tired of his current situation that, that he has to do something about it. A man who's just comfortable stooling in it, and that's his reality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not much there to, to motivate him mm-hmm. in shifting. Right? He's got to want things to change, at least some things. Yeah. Okay. But a woman should never be, you know, approaching a man with the intention of trying to, oh, he could be great. You know, let's fix him up. Uh, yeah. Because that that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> I know, but it's a tough one because... I think that, you know, I look around and I see so many uh, really established older uh, women doing the deep heart and embodiment work. And the, the, there are, you know, the men that are at that same age or older are, you know, taken, essentially. <laughs> and so there's a lot of people who are actually investing so to speak in the younger man who has a lot of potential because it's better to at least have the younger man who has a lot of potential Mm -hmm. than either the option of being alone or the option of being with someone who is a lot more like traditional and older or whatever so but also i think that's that's limiting right in terms of a belief because there's definitely older men who are not you know, as you say, taken, um, that are available. So, like, if I'm if I'm working with a woman and this is something that she's bringing up, mm. the question that I ask her is, 
you know, or maybe she's reflecting, hey, Chris, you know, I'm not with the type of man that I want to be with. I'm always meeting the same type of men. My question to her is, okay, well, firstly, do you know what the quality of man that you are looking for? Do you know what he's looking for? Mm. Right. Is he looking for a boss bitch? Probably not. You know, he's looking for something very specific. And I get that it can sound harsh, but we, you know, we need to go back to fundamental biology and, and, and how, how things are connected or why, why is there a relationship? Why are we wanting to connect with each other? Well, there's different values that are exchanged True. right? in terms of partnership. That's why a woman comes and says, I want to be with a conscious man, a powerful man, <laughs> a clear man. Why? Well, because he can fuck you properly, mm-hmm. right? He can connect with you. He can make love to you. He can hold you in ways that totally enrich and bring mass value to your life. So mm. you want to be with him because of the value that he's bringing to you. Right now, men are the same, Mm. right? If you're coming into my life, okay, what are you bringing to my life? What value are you bringing? Yeah. Do you just assume you're a goddess (laughs) and go, oh, I just do what I want because I'm a goddess. Okay, well, you're out because (laughs) (laughs) because what what value do you bring that that is going to to be of nourishment to me, my life, my mission, and what I'm here to do. So what's nourishing? Tell us, Chris Bale. Tell <laughs> well, us what's nourishing to the man. Well, this is, um, this is the power of the man knowing himself because this is something that he should be able to be clear with you on. And I think it's very beautiful for a woman to be able to ask a man that question. True. Yeah, so firstly, what do you want with me? What's your intention with me? What do you want with me? What do you want with me, sir? <laughs> yeah, but just being, because a lot of the, and again, I, I'm only saying this because a lot of the women that I speak with, they're, they're quite quiet in terms of challenging a man. Uh, you're certainly not, <laughs> as an example. Uh, but, but many women, because, you know, she's moving from her heart in certain ways and she doesn't want to put pressure on him. She doesn't want to push him away. Mm. She's afraid that, some of these questions will be too confronting for him. But then she ends up being with a man who's not comfortable with being confronted and challenged. So he's never pressured to clarify anything for her, which has her feel confused, unsafe, and just not knowing her position in the dynamic. Yeah. Yes. This is a big one. So asking him out of love, right? It's not that you're trying to be nasty to him, but sure. saying, you know, I'm so curious, what, what is your current intention with me and with this dynamic? And uh, yeah, adjust yourself <clears throat> within this dynamic. And secondly, really coming to understand the man by asking him, well, how can I love you better? How can I support you better? How can I show up for you better? And hopefully he's clear enough to be able to answer those things for you so you know what he deems as valuable, right? So you know that you can bring some of these things to him or you can decide, hey, this doesn't work for me. I'm out. Um, But also you can ask him that question. You can say, hey, let me share with you some ways that you can love and support me better. Right. Because all of it is really about if we just come down to the fundamentals of a relationship, at least in my limited experience at this point, is how can we better love and support each other? How can we support one another growing and developing as a sovereign individual while in partnership? Yeah. 
right? So these are just some questions. And as the male pole in this, obviously my communication around this is going to be harder and harsher and more direct in certain ways because I respect women enough to hold them accountable, Yeah. right? So I'm going to hold her accountable, right? What are you bringing? Because I can tell you, I'll give you a list of what I'm bringing, right? So if I'm bringing a list, where's yours? <laughs> right, That that that's the level of... of I gotta, I'm going to go write my list now, guys. <laughs> and again, I'm using that as an example. I don't mean an actual written list unless it gets to that extreme. <laughs> but I'm just, you know, we, we both need to be responsible and accountable for showing up and doing our work mm. and then being able to, to be really honest with ourselves yeah. and say, well, I get to bring this and he gets to bring this to me and then we get to share it back and forwards. Mm. And to me, that's a beautiful relationship because both people are showing up. And both people are getting what they need, which exactly. is the most important piece. Exactly. So what are some, if you can think of, some of the key things that come up in your conversations with men that have them feel nourished? Can you repeat that? <laughs> yes. In your conversations with men, what are some of the things you don't think this AC is going to cause sound issues? No, it's, it's hey guys. Quiet. No, it should um, be okay. When you're talking to the men, are there some sort of key themes that come up that nourishment that they want or need in women? Support is like emotional support, but not in a coddling way. Mm -hmm. um, one of the biggest things is he wants to feel like he's being left free. Uh -huh. Right. Yes. So one of the biggest things, if you want to push a man away and if you want to have him become less attracted to you and less turned on by you and less wanting to engage intimately and show up for you is to engage with him. I mean, freedom is just a word, right? But to engage with him in a way where he feels suffocated. Trapped. Or trapped or he feels as though, oh, now my life is over, right? My life of exploration, my life of turning up new stones and going my way and moving in my direction. Uh, so then he panics, shuts down and then he wants to push you away. So the work from her side, I believe, is how can I show up in love in a way that is honoring me, right? Is fully uh, being true to what I require in relationship while also out loud loving and supporting his freedom. Mm. And that doesn't mean you're pushing him into the arms of 1,500 different women or anything like that. You can be in a monogamous, closed partnership, but still champion his freedom. Um, another thing that I will always kind of bring to this space when I'm communicating with women, especially in my groups, uh, is for her to be aware of what is the motivation in my communication with him in this moment. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Right? So when you come out of your room and you walk towards him and you're about to unleash something, whether it's beautiful or, or painful or, you know, just whatever form of communication is coming up, what is your motivation for that? Mm. Because if you truly love and respect a man, and, and to really love a man, it's not about loving, it's respecting, right? If To respect him, that's how he feels most nourished from you. you you got to check your motivation because mm. if you're coming to poke him or to punish him for his behavior or to be passive-aggressive with him or all of these behaviors that are really severed from love, 
um, these are not ways that you can champion and love and support your man. Yeah. So checking the motivation of your communication will just have the man feel more supported and mm-hmm. less attacked. Yeah. Well, and on the flip side, it's interesting. I'm thinking about like, what do women need? Right. Mm-hmm. And um, also the idea of how, how much the mainstream has dating wrong, right? Like when we do da- dating profiles, which I'm not even going to get into online dating and, and what can be problematic about that. But let's just say we have online dating. It is what it is. But in the profiles, if you think about it, the majority of humans, what are they putting there as information? I like dogs. My hobbies include X, Y, Z, right? Like it's very superficial, um, like day-to-day things. But it's not about what actually gives them nourishment. Like if the dating profiles were like, I want a woman who, you know, opens the door and walks over and does this and that feels respectful to me. Or if I, you know, I would want a woman who like, if it's just a little bit more depth in terms of, okay, this is actually what I need to feel nourished from both Mm -hmm. ends, the woman and the man, I think it would be a whole different dating game because everyone is out there in their head thinking I need the checklist of he's got to have blue eyes and he's got to have, you know, whatever, and this much money in his bank account and ready to buy a house. And it's like, well, none of that shit actually matters. You know, at the very end of the day, yes, you're going to navigate some logistical stuff. And in some cases, it's really nice to have compatibility in some of those areas. But the actual core nourishment of uh, is he claiming me or is she respecting me, Mm -hmm. right, trumps all of the like does do we both like dogs or not like it's it's not that can be figured out after there's been Mm -hmm. claiming and there's been respecting and there's been freedom and all the other stuff and so i would like to see a revolution in the dating app world where that's the type of profile that people are putting because that's actually what we want Mm -hmm. but that would involve being vulnerable oh yes (laughs) god forbid And of course, like you said, it's the same thing. And, you know, once you are dating, having those conversations, hey, what nourishes you? How can I support you? How can I love you? And I'd love to also know the other way around, you know, and it's getting practical, right? Because like being practical is one of the most helpful things for just getting clear on stuff. That's so cool. I I see it as more poetic. I see as the like the, the well, dog. Well, you have to, right? The you have to has... see it as poetic, and I have to see it as practical. True, that's because true. otherwise it wouldn't work. <laughs> Very true. Um, so, coming back to women's nourishment, I mm. want to move on to a question where it's sort of in the same realm, but just around the different archetypal energies that nourish each other, and you know, between men and women. We got one question where someone was asking about how to navigate and possibly uh, rewire the dating expectations of, for example, um, a man paying out on a date. Mm -hmm. And it just got me thinking less about the direct question, but more about the idea of the provider archetype. So one of the things so far historically that's been really attractive and what pulls a woman to a man is a provider archetype, is feeling provided for, whether that's financially, whether back in the day it was just like, oh, he shows up with like a deer that he hunted or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. right? But there's a providing energy. And so now (laughs) 
with the way things are going, um, with more and more women being financially independent and being their own providers, I'm curious what your thoughts are on like what are the most important archetypal energies a man can bring a woman? Um, if, consciousness. And, consciousness. And is provider still important or is it is it sort of obsolete? It depends on what works for both people, right? It, it again going back to that question: What does he want, you know, from the other side? And for her, what does she want from the other side? The provider, as men, we're we're always I feel hardwired to be providers in certain ways, right? So if it's not financially, when I say consciousness, what I really mean is clarity, right? Like a provider of clarity. Sneeze. No, it's not. It's not. Well, now it's gone. Okay. Moving on. Moving along. Um, Yeah. So we're always providing something. Uh, Otherwise, we're useless. Otherwise, there's no point if if he's not providing you with something. And oftentimes, what he's providing you with may not be totally comfortable all the time, right? Whether it's financial or whether. It's clarity. Um, but that's ultimately, I feel, the, the deepest role of a man being in your life is to come in and just through his presence and through you being around him, it allows for for a stabilized simplicity to be there for you when you want to go there. Mm. So if you want to go off and dance in chaos, you can do that and you can have all your fun with that. But you know that all oh, this, you know, 17,000-year-old tree that's rooted is there for me to kind of come back to it's still recording my little one there you go um do you want to ask anything else on that no i feel like you're pretty clear Mm -hmm. but i do want to share with the women that any if, if she's looking for a man who is very set up in his own life and is about his mission and if we're going to make it a little bit more superficial, has his income sorted, right? So he's wealthy financially. He's totally self-sustained in that regard. He is not. Lo- he does not care about you having a business. He does not care about how successful you are in business because none of that is bringing to him what he deeply requires from the relationship, right? If that's all handled from his side, what he's really looking for is a break from that uh. so that he can come and meet your softness and your receptivity um, and actually be nourished from that. Now, if as a, as a businesswoman, you're out there in the world going not to 100 and you're just sending all of your juice and all your energy out into, into the world, but he's not really receiving any of it at home, uh, then you're useless to him, uh. right? Because there's no juice left. There's nothing there for yes. him to be able to, to, to connect with. Now, you know, in, in the way things currently are set up, maybe there's men who are not so financially secure and they also want to kind of do 50-50 on everything. And, yeah. and that can probably be a li- little bit more forgiving um, where both people can, can really be in that. And I think that's mostly kind of what seems to be happening um, with younger people, especially right mm-hmm. now. Is, you know, both people... And just to clarify, this is not saying that women with powerful men should not have businesses or should not be creating. It's not about that. She should be creating whatever she wants to create, whatever most nourishes her. But also with the understanding that 
she will require to have some reservoirs remaining to share and to love this man with. Yeah. 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 I'm going to chime in here as a businesswoman. Yes. Who's cool. in a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm starting to understand a lot more through this conversation that we've had through just different uh, iterations of my own business and my relationship to my business and my purpose mm -hmm. and my inner masculine is that uh, in order for me to be a devotional to love, mm -hmm. which ultimately when I feel into it is my number one, like as a just feminine essence being, it is, there's going to be so many beeps in this recording. <laughs> Time stuff. You guys, this is where I'm starting a new genre of podcast. It's called the super extra casual, not sonically, <laughs> you know, whatever. I've lost the word. All right. He's fanning himself fanning for everyone. So humid. <clears throat> That's so funny because yesterday I was really hot and you didn't feel anything. And now I feel totally fine. But that's the nature of how we work, right? Polarity, just in unique ways. Um, so what I was sharing, mm -hmm. it was that it's become really clear to me that as a feminine essence being, no matter what, my number one priority is always to be a servant of love in my relationship and in the world. Like I want to be a vessel of unconditional love to the extent that I can as a human who is conditional. <laughs> right. And so my business, if it were to exist, which it currently does it is, and my purpose is really, that tickles, <laughs> is really, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> now i got like super my feminine i forgot what i was saying <laughs> so help, clarity is um, is a beneficial value that a man can bring <laughs> so what you were saying was in your business <laughs> thank you uh, so in my business the most important thing for me to be able to maintain um how i want to show up for a relationship as a servant of love is um for their for me to be conducting my business um, from a place where it is juicing me up and where the creations are nourishing and not sapping me yes. of the, um, the, like the vault of my life force. So if my purpose is adding energy and opening my heart more, then I actually have more to come back and give into my relationship. Mm -hmm. But if my business and my business tactics and strategies and the way that I'm operating business is not alignment with the is not in alignment with the feminine side of me, even though it might really nourish my masculine side, um, that that's going to take away from my ability to show up and nourish, you know, in partnership. Mm -hmm. And I'm really starting to understand that, which is why I'm completely shifting the way that I, I run business. And I think that a lot of women are, will, will need to do that because we're seeing such a collective crisis of, I have to choose between either running an amazing business and having my masculine super <coughs> nourished, um, but not feeling really great in relationship or- In my body. And in my body. Well, all, everything with the feminine um, or the other way around. And of course there's a way to have both 
it just it's t- taken me a while to crack the code and I'm starting to understand that we can still be in our purpose but our purpose as feminine beings is to love and so if we can love through our business and really do it in a loving way to our own bodies to the community around us to the world then it actually can you know be nourishing to the actual like the intimate relationship we're in as well totally yeah totally yeah Speaking of, uh, one person was asking uh, what our definition of unconditional love is. That's a big question. Yes, I know. It's a huge question. Well, let's start with this. Do you believe in unconditional love? Is that a thing? I believe there's different levels of love with different agreements. So the unconditional love is what runs... Excuse me. The unconditional part, I believe, is the core of our humanity, right? The core of our spiritual connection is from unconditional love. And because you're not you and I'm not me, right? We're the same thing. Mm -hmm. So based on that, there is unconditional love that has everything function, whether we decide to be in it or not. Now, we can decide to connect with it and to pull it to consciousness, to pull it into other areas of of our lives, But at the same time, life is deeply conditional. Polarity is conditional, right? Yin and yang is conditional. If you remove the yin, the yang is gone. Mm. If you remove the yang, the yin is gone. So there needs to be a balance. And let's use an extreme situation. Let's say that there's a woman in a relationship with an abusive man. And he's beating her. And he's physically abusing her. And she's staying with him. Versus she's leaving him. Mm. Now, where's the unconditional love in that? And then you can question, well, should she have unconditional love towards a man who's breaking conditions of love? Right. Right. Such Mm -hmm. as he's being violent with her. He's not being loving with her. So my condition or my conditions for unconditional love to be unconditional is that it must be met with love. My condition is if you remove love, then I get the decision. I get the choice in that moment Mm -hmm. in terms of just surviving in life, whether I still choose to remain in love and to bring love to that person or that situation versus to remove it. There's different levels. So if I'm being physically attacked, I'm removing that in that moment to protect myself. When I go home and I tune into that person, I can have total unconditional love for them because I can feel their wounding and that's why they lashed out to me to begin with. Um, it's such a nuanced thing. I don't believe like, oh, unconditional love, everybody. It's like, no, you need to break it down and you need to understand all the different levels of it and how can we show up in a balanced way where ultimately to be loving with everything is the goal. Mm. Uh, But we also have a choice. Yeah. I love that. I think you broke that down so beautifully. Um, And I just love the example. It's a perfect example, practically speaking. Thanks for bringing the practical again. Um, And I'm going to bring the poetry for a moment, which is that, yeah, I see the unconditional love and sort of what you were saying anyways is is really the divine and the conditional is the human. Mm -hmm. And the truth is like our experience as humans is one of uh, oscillating between separation and oneness, humanness and divinity. 
And so we have moments of unconditional love and it's great that we can tap into unconditional love and there's fucking moments where your ass better be conditional or else you're going to be stuck in a relationship you should not be stuck with or in a situation you should not be stuck with. So I feel like you really covered it. Thank you. Unconditional love starts with self-respect. It starts with unconditional love towards self. Yeah, yeah. That's the bank balance. True, true that. Okay. Final question. Final topic of the day. Uh, you can just speak for a moment. I'm going to return in like two minutes. Or. All right. So for our final topic of the day, the one everyone's been waiting for. <laughs> so I constantly get messages and I think you might as well, but I just know from my end, um, that's always asking how we navigate being poly. <laughs> and um, I have some thoughts, but I uh, wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. I have no thoughts. I have <laughs> statements. My first statement is that uh, we're not poly. <laughs> um, I also have another statement that we're not monogamous. True. I also have a statement that we support each other's freedom. Yep. And we hold very similar and aligned values when it comes to our understanding and our practical application of what it means to be in partnership and relationship in the long term for as long as that term wants to be whether it's forever and whether it's you know not for forever yeah but we're we're very clear and aligned on on all of that aspect of things and we feel that it's well let me reclarify that i feel <laughs> that the way that we function together is is simple like it's deeply simple but i don't feel it can be labeled in terms of just the structure, the way that people are labeling these things, because then you can have one person who identifies or one relationship that identifies as poly and another one that identifies as poly, but they're wildly dysfunctional and they both operate totally different ways. Um, I think union is the most important part, mm. there, that there's a maturity, um, that there's a respect for both people as individuals first and to see how that individuality can then come together in love and, and respect and in support and in the process of developing and growing together and also not together. Uh, so, yeah, I don't have a label mm -hmm. for people. And yeah. I, I feel like we like labels because people are like, just give me the label so I can <laughs> land in it. Yeah. But it's difficult, right? It's challenging for a lot of people to to understand how a relationship can function that way and still be healthy. Yeah. And I think that speaks more to the individual's past experiences, trying to navigate some of these labels with other people who maybe were not in integrity or uh, who maybe was not so communicative and clear. Mm. Um, yeah, that's just what I wanted to say to kind of preface it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I want to pull... pull out a little wider past just like you and I and talk about formats of relationships in general. I think that 
uh, first of all, there's just the challenge, other than the baggage of what comes with monogamy or polyamory or anything in between, which there's, you know, a million different formats, because essentially it's like pick your own adventure. You can do it however you want to do it, as long as you're bringing your truth and the other person's bringing theirs and there's a deep love and respect in the process. So you can come up with any formula that you want. Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of people just assume, oh, you're not monogamous, therefore you're poly. Yes. And there's such a misconception about that because first of all, not being monogamous doesn't even necessarily mean you're poly. It doesn't even necessarily mean you're open because I don't even feel like the word open feels right for us either no. because our uh, energetically we are um I feel very claimed by you. I feel mm -hmm. like we are in a committed partnership and I remember you even sharing once like when someone had asked you what are you and Nadia or whatever and you had said I'm in a com we are in a committed relationship that values freedom. Mm -hmm. And so it's like we're committed to each other. We're committed to building in this love like you said till now till forever till however long it needs to be because that's not our choice, mm -hmm. right? Like we don't get to choose as much as I'd like to, the <laughs> control freak that I am. I'm like, I would like it to be until I'm 97 years old. I know I'm hum, I humbly know that that's not a choice I get to make. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but in that there is a commitment till further notice, you know what I mean? Like, until, like as long as life wants us to be committed, we are committed and we're also not possessing each other, restricting each other from experiences that may want to show up in our lives that feel important and that have energy and that like life is leading us to for whatever reason we just mm -hmm. can't understand. And so, but even open to me, the, the problem I have with that word is it feels a little energetically sloppy. Mm -hmm. uh, like there's a little bit of like flip floppiness. There isn't a clear container. I think of just like spilled water somewhere when i think of open for whatever reason and i feel the lack of commitment mm. to me open means that we're not committed yeah like, like we we're haven't casually lovering each <clears throat> lovering i just came lovering. up with it lover shipping <laughs> yeah open feels like lovers right it yeah that's yeah. the and i also want to say that again which is something that maybe certain people are confused around people attach commitment to monogamy Yes. Which, oh, yeah. Which, if that is your your understanding of what commitment is, then life is going to be difficult, <laughs> very difficult, because commitment is so much deeper than a label. Yeah. Commitment is about being clear with one another. Yeah. Commitment is about showing up and defining what is this, how is this, how do we move forward with this. Commitment is staying there when shit hits the fan. Right. When there's struggles, <clears throat> when there's challenges, yeah. um, especially for the masculine, right, where men just want to bail. Right? Yeah. The amount of times it's like, OK, I'm gone. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> That's the man thing. It's like I'm out. So commitment, especially just speaking from from a male perspective right now, mm. is can you remain there? when everything is not exactly the way that you want it to be, when it's exactly not the way that, you know, you would love the situation or the relationship to currently be, yeah. or when there's trauma that comes up or when there's difficulty that yeah. both people have to navigate. So to me, commitment is about having a pact with another person that I'm in this and you're in this. I got your back. You got my back and we don't fucking bail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
unless life is like, all right, that's this is done, guys. Yeah, we we have will <laughs> and choice to the degree that we have will and choice, but life controls everything else. And, yeah. and I also think it's dangerous to be with someone who doesn't or cannot acknowledge that. Yeah. Because now you're dealing with someone who's hooked on a fairy tale. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I have my moments. I'd like a fairy tale, but I trust. I trust. But isn't it beautiful that you can be inclusive to that, right? Yeah. So you can also be inclusive to the fairy tale and enjoy it as it plays out as a fairy tale. Yeah. So I think it's great. Then you can have your cake and eat it. Mm. And I can have my cake and eat it. Right. I can just look a certain way and, you know, leave Chris alone. Right. <laughs> and I'm back in my cave, you know, in absolute silence. And it may not be ideal for you in that moment. Um, mm -hmm. But this is what commitment is about. Right. Yeah. Just as like, you know, when you're in your divinely uh, rambunctious <laughs> expression and just shaking your butt all over the place. And I'm like, I just want to be in my cave, but I, you know, love and respect this person. Yeah. You know, there's points where we have to meet each other. In. Yeah. Um, so that's another part of commitment, right? It's it, at least in my understanding is, is choosing to show up. Yeah. Even when it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. This is, I think, we're ending on a really good note here. Commitment, you know, does not equate monogamy, and monogamy does not equate commitment. And I really feel that because um, I feel so claimed and trusting in this format. And again, it's just the format that works for me. Mm -hmm. And so for everyone listening, it's really important that you just find what works for you. Like we're, and I think this is the other misconception, people who think, oh, okay, well, if you're not monogamous, then you are like judging people who are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Like if, if monogamy is your format, fantastic. If both of you feel this is exactly what you want, the problem is sometimes, often, because monogamy is the most accepted uh, format, one person doesn't actually want that, but is saying, okay, yeah, it's fine. Which goes back mm -hmm. to our conversation about being honest about what nourishes you. Yes. And I think a lot of um, people, it tends to be guys, but, you know, I, I think that's more of a, uh, I don't know, maybe you want to weigh in on this, but my sense is it tends to be more guys who go, okay, I'll go into monogamy, but don't actually want it. Totally. Um, because they're terrified of the judgment of, actually, I, I do want more. Mm -hmm. um, because then, you know, the woman can be like, well, you know, and it's, I feel unloved. Why do you not just want to have sex with me for the rest of your life? And, and that's, a, you know, that's a critical dysfunction that needs to be clarified, right? So when men don't communicate that he wants more or variety in certain ways and the woman is just in that fairy tale, the man is bringing no clarity. Yeah. He's bringing no avenue for communication, for understanding so she can maybe drop a part of that. Or maybe she discovers that that's not actually the way that she functions in her healthiest and that it's just coming from fear of being dropped or yeah. left because that's been her experience. So, uh. yeah, it, it runs really deep. But I think it's it's crucial that both people are as honest and as real and as authentic as they can be with themselves and with the other person. Because you can truly have exactly what you want in terms of a dynamic you might not get it with every person you meet. <laughs> you might be waiting a few years, but if you stay true to you, 
I really believe that you will find, you know, the jigsaw puzzle that can that can fit that that dynamic. And I waited a really long time. <laughs> I didn't think I would find the matching jigsaw puzzle. And the beauty about the jigsaw is that you can literally make it up whatever you want to make up. You can sit down and come up with whatever dynamic best serves and supports yeah. uh, who you are. Yeah. And then you can play with it and you can shift what doesn't work and add some other things to see if they work. So yeah. it's it's really beautiful to be free in that way. Yeah. It's Oh, my God. It's so freeing. And here's the thing whether it's about relationship format or another need that you have that you're not sharing, mm -hmm. if there's a need for nourishment that is not shared, it will come back and bite you in the ass. It's just going to. So yeah, it's scary as hell. I totally understand. It can be really hard to be like, actually, this is what I need on um, just at the front end of things. Um, but it saves so much time because guess what? In this relationship where one partner decides, oh, okay, it's fine. I can be monogamous when really they're not actually sitting with their truth. Then eventually through passive aggressive, resentful ways, like that relationship will break down in some way or another. Totally. And so the whole idea of, well, I'll save this relationship by saying yes to this format that doesn't work for me. You're just wasting time. Because you're going to go through X number of years and at some point everything will dissolve because you weren't actually true. And so it's not built on a true foundation, on a strong foundation. It's going to be what ends the relationship. 100%. Yeah. Every time. So I think what we're getting out of this podcast today is speak your needs and your sources of nourishment and everyone needs to go. Your homework today is to go write a list of everything you need to be nourished in relationship and be really, really honest with yourself. And if you don't know what that is, which is quite common, right? Um, it's to start exploring that. Yeah. And not being afraid of making mistakes and making the wrong decision because nobody's keeping score mm. on you. Thank you for this beautiful conversation. Thank you for this beautiful conversation. Maybe we'll do it again in two years from now. If you enjoyed the guest on this episode, you can head on over to the show notes to get more info on their bio, their work, their website, and all the good stuff. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. We would love for you to rate and review the show, and I'd love to know your takeaways from the episode. You can do that by DMing me on Instagram at Nadia Munla.